0: Um, so one of the lessons I've been learning recently has been centered around this idea of being an image bearer of God, and for me, it's just been something that, this is how the Lord usually teaches me, it brings up, God brings up something and then just hammers it in my mind and my heart so that it gets deeper and deeper in, and for me, it's been this idea, what does it mean to be an image bearer, and, um. Uh, You know, for me, one of the reasons why I think it's incredibly important is because I think for all of humanity's existence, there's been two questions that have been just going through people's minds and hearts, and those two questions find their answer in this idea of an image bearer. Those two questions are, who am I? Another way to ask that question is, why am I here? The second question is, if there's a God, what does that God look like? who is that God? And when you think about it, the idea of an image bearer answers both of those questions. Who am I? Why am I here? We are here to to bear God's image, to, to reflect God's image in this world. But that also seems to answer the second question, which is, who is God? For us to be an image bearer, we have to know the one whose image we're called to carry. And so this idea of an image bearer has been rolling through my mind and my heart of the fact that perhaps God has been calling me to be an image bearer. Uh, it's been something that I think has been rolling around the minds and hearts of people 3,000 years ago and it's happening here in our city. The people that we interact with, perhaps if you to sit them down, they might actually express a question of, I've wondered why in the world am I here? if it's hard for me to imagine that this is all here by happenstance there must be a creator and if there is who is that creator for us it 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 comes down to this idea of an image bearer if we are created in God's image then for us to be to understand who we are we must know who God is our identities are tied with one another. For us to know who God is, we understand ourselves, And when we understand ourselves, then we understand also who God is. We, our identity is tied to our understanding and our experience of God. And we have this wonderful gift. We have this wonderful gift. If this has been a question that has been rolling around in the minds and hearts of people for a long time, perhaps our scripture speaks to it. The writer of Hebrews was writing to people who are coming from a Jewish background, and this writer was trying to describe who Jesus was. And in Hebrews 2, we find our scripture reading for this day. And the key that unlocks both of those questions, and this is the church answer, right? Which is what? Jesus, right? This is the answer to all the questions here at church. Uh, The key to understanding what does it mean to be an image bearer is found in Jesus. Here we are in scripture reading, Hebrews chapter 2. Verses 6 through 11. But there is a place where someone has testified. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor. and Put everything under their feet. And putting everything under, their, under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at the present, we do not see everything subject to them. But... We do see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for a while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone, and bringing many sons and daughters to glory. It was fitting that God, for whom and through everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one Who makes the people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. This is the word of the Lord. It seems as if for me when I'm reading this passage, which I got to be honest, I don't read Hebrews often. This is an unfamiliar passage. Uh, when I'm reading through this passage, it seems to be describing who humanity is and who Jesus is, and how they're tied to one another. Here we see that the writer of Hebrews is trying to describe, trying to lift up this idea of humanity that we were created just a little lower than the angels, crowned with glory and honor, everything under their feet, and God subjected all things to humanity. That that is that is how we've been created. Do we see that? <laughs> that all of humanity has been created with glory and honor just a little lower than the angels? No. <laughs> like, it's hard to see that, right? We know that that's how our, we've been created. And even the writer here says this, uh, says, speaks to this uh, in verse 8. Yet at the present, we do not see everything subject to him. But we do see Jesus. You see, it's, Jesus is this amazing gift for us because Jesus gives us a clear picture of who God is. If you want to know about God, God's character, what God is, what God would do in this world, we have this gift of looking at Jesus and going, ah, this is who the Father is. This is what the Spirit is doing. That in Christ we get a clear picture of who Jesus is. But we also see who we were called to be. Jesus, as the words of, here in the scripture, the pioneer the one who went in front of us, the one who showed us the way. That in Jesus we see both the image of whom we are to reflect and what it's like to be an image bearer. Colossians 1.15 says it so clearly. in Describing Jesus, it says, He is the image of the invisible God. In Jesus, we get to see the invisible God. And he is also the firstborn over all creation. We get a clear picture of those two things. So if we want to know of God, where do we turn? To Jesus. If we want to know what God's call in our life might be, where do we turn? To Jesus. It's, it's the answer for the biggest questions of our life is knowing and following Jesus. And in doing so, if we are able to do that, we might begin to discover what does it mean to be an image bearer? For me, one of the reasons why this has been on my mind is about two months ago, I went to a, a retreat at Lady Lodge and this speaker named Andy Crouch gave a presentation about this uh, idea of Jesus as the image bearer. And he lifted up two characteristics of what does it mean to be an image bearer? And there are two that I wouldn't have chosen. What does it mean to be an image bearer? The first is that God is to be an image bearer that we have been given authority. And authority for us, we can be defined as the capacity for meaningful action that God has given you the ability to cause or create meaningful action in this world. And to be honest, it could be for good or it could be for harm. It could be for evil or it could be for uh, the flourishing of this world. We see this in verse 7 in our, in our scripture. You made them a little lower than the angels and subjected all things to them. This speaks to humanity's position or authority. But there's a second characteristic, which is vulnerability. We love the first one. <laughs> the second one is hard. Vulnerability is hard. Our definition of vulnerability for this morning is the, the capability of being wounded. Vulnerability is exposure. It's not easy. It's our human nature to cover our Achilles heel, to not be too exposed. But for us to be image bearers and us to follow Christ fully, we might be called to greater authority and greater vulnerability than any of us would have chosen. To help describe this, I want to draw a little grid. See, I told you that this might not be a good message. I'm having to draw things, and half of you can't see it. It's perfect. Uh, So up here uh, is this idea of vulnerability. I'm sorry, authority. (laughs) And right here is uh, vulnerability. And an interesting thing, just for you, just for you, an interesting thing, because you can see it now, uh, is that everybody could be put somewhere on this grid with great authority or low authority, which is, remember, the capacity for meaningful action, or great vulnerability. Your life might be marked by great vulnerability or low vulnerability. So just for an example, what would it look like for someone to have very little authority yet be incredibly vulnerable? What might that look like? Well, one picture of that could be people who are, who are uh, in, in, incredible poverty. Uh, they or they're they're trapped in some sort of addiction, where they feel somewhat imprisoned or enabled to be able to, um, to create meaningful action. It's been hampered. It's been destroyed. It's been uh, it's been. Ex- they've, these are people who typically are exploited. To be honest. They're incredibly vulnerable for expectation and they don't have as much uh, ability to create meaningful action. They're trapped. What would it look like for someone to have low authority but actually no vulnerability? Uh, What would it look like? So they don't really, they're not really doing much but they're not really exposed. Well, it's kind of like the idea of a cruise, a well-safe cruise, right? A well-functioning cruise where you're just... You're along for the ride, like you're just cruising along. The biggest decision of your day is what type of food you're going to eat, right? You just wait for the bell to ring and you run down. uh, ah, Asian food today. Uh, it's also if you've seen the movie Wall-E, if you've seen that movie Wall-E, it's a beautiful picture of what does it look like to have very little authority and very little vulnerability. You just ride your little scooter and drink Slurpee, and that's it. That's all you do. Uh, to be honest, this is kind of the some people's dream of retirement. <laughs> right? You don't have to do a thing. And you have a huge nest egg. You're not vulnerable. Everything's fine and taken care of. That's some people's dream of retirement. What would it look like for people to have incredible authority and no vulnerability? This is what you call the American dream. <laughs> right? you're able to create change, you're able to change your environment, yet you yourself are not exposed to being wounded. And there's something that's really tricky. I haven't quite put my mind around it, but great authority without vulnerability leads to idolatry. It leads to control the the idea of control that I get to control everything around me to make sure that I am not exposed that I am not vulnerable and the reality is the world just doesn't work that way you know but we still seek to seek to be people that live over here get to call the shots yet we're never wounded the idea is perhaps the image bearers exist when they are people who are exercising change in their environment and yet are incredibly vulnerable. They allow themselves to be people who are known and are able to be wounded. That this is where image bearing happens. Why? Perhaps this is where courage happens. Courage doesn't happen anywhere else. Faith really has a hard time existing everywhere else, but it flourishes right here where people are actually believing that God might use someone like me to make a change in this world, and I'm going to do it through myself, through being vulnerable, that this is where the image bearing happens. A couple pictures of it is I went to a wedding about two months ago, uh, and um, you know, after the ceremony, it was awesome because I did it, and then afterwards, we went to the reception. My part was over with, so I was enjoying myself. We'll leave it there. And um, and then I look at a friend of mine who's the, who's a father, and it uh, it was his turn. So the party stops, right? And he grabs his glass of wine, and with a shaky glass, he tries to muster up a voice with a microphone incredibly vulnerable. Everyone stopped. He's been thinking about this day where he's going to have to give a toast at his daughter's wedding. Ugh, what am I going to say? He's incredibly vulnerable. And with his trepidation, he gives a blessing to his daughter. He's able to say, why I have loved you all these years, what I want for you in your marriage. He blesses his new son-in-law. He uses his authority, and he's incredibly vulnerable, and it blesses everybody there. It happens. We see another picture of this as Martin Luther King and choosing to protest this uh, uh, desire for civil rights, but doing it through nonviolence. Did he exercise authority? Yes. He was an incredible leader. Did he do it through being vulnerable? Yeah. He actually was wounded. He was bruised. He was imprisoned. Image bearing. That's what happens there. Over and over again, I think... Uh, we see this not only in our world, but I think we actually see it in our scripture. I think that God's work in our life is to move people into greater authority, greater vulnerability. I was with the staff a couple weeks ago, and I asked them, what is, I asked them the same question I asked you, what's a favorite story of yours in scripture? And my idea was, I wonder if the stories that we resonate with the most are stories in which God makes people incredibly vulnerable yet does something through their life. A couple of the stories that the staff said was, one guy said, Marcus, our high school guy said, I love the story of Gideon. Gideon, when he, he's, calling, he's called into battle. If you don't know that story, Gideon was called to, to rally the troops to fight against the Midianites, to go into battle. Marcus is a guy. He's like, yeah, I like stories of battle and fighting, I guess. Uh, But the interesting thing of that story is God calls Gideon with his 32,000 troops to go into battle. And God says, you're not going to fight like that. Why? Because if you win this battle, you're going to revel in Israel's glory. So what does he do? He takes 32,000 troops and says, I want you to weed them out. And it goes from... 32,000 to 10,000 soldiers. I mean, I'm sure Gideon's like, okay, you've made your point, right? And then he goes, no, I want you to go down and I want, I, I want you to see that how they drink out of a well and you're going to weed them out that way. And it goes from 10,000 to 300 soldiers. I mean, think about vulnerability, right? God's saying, I want, you, I want you to believe me. I want you to go into battle, but you're going to do it through vulnerability. Why? Because you're going to see how I'm going to show up in places like that. That's a story of God moving people into greater authority and greater vulnerability. Another person mentioned the story of Noah. Think about the story of Noah, of this guy who's just the crazy person in the city making a boat, right? Making a boat for a flood. It's like someone who, like half a year ago, has a lake house on Lake Travis, right? thinking the same thing. I think the water's going to rise again. And uh, he's incredibly vulnerable. He looks like the the fool. God told me, right? God told me to do this. Yet through Noah's obedience that humanity survived, that God used this one man's obedience to cause flourishing, image-bearing. You know, for me, my When I look through scripture over and over again, it's stories of how God had called people into greater authority, greater vulnerability. This is what Jesus had done. Jesus, when he interacted with people, said, I want to use you. And people dodged, just like you would. You would dodge, not me, it's not me. You don't use people like me. And God said, no, 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 no. I want to do more through your life than you would ever believe. But I want you, I want you and your vulnerability. I want the real you. I don't want the image of you. I want the real you. Jesus, when he sent out the 72, do you remember that story? This is Mark's version. I'm going to send you out and you're going to do things through my name that you would never believe. You're going to heal people. You're going to cast out demons. You're going to proclaim the gospel and people's lives are going to be changed. And by the way, the way I wanted to send you out is I want you to take nothing. (laughs) Nothing. No roadmap. no game plan. This is a Presbyterian's nightmare right what what committee what committee chose me you know <laughs> i want to send you and i want no tunic no bag no nothing because i want to show you that i show up when you have nothing when you are totally dependent upon me this is when my kingdom explodes the parable of the talents the master entrusts the servants here, I want you to take this treasure and I'm going to leave for a while. Two of them take it to market, they risk. They take, use their authority and they're vulnerable, they risk. And that one servant who, remembered the master called wicked and lazy, what did he do? He didn't exercise his authority and he just buried the talent. Why? I know where it is. I'm not, really, I'm not really vulnerable, I'm not exposed, and you're going to get back what you wanted, what you gave me. That's a story of someone who didn't bear the master's image. And do you remember um, when I visit with people as a pastor, and I said, what, what do you hope to hear on your, when you die? The number one thing that people wish to hear is from God is, well done, good and faithful servant. That word comes from this parable for those people Who used their authority and were vulnerable. So perhaps in your own life, maybe God wants you to live out more authority with more vulnerability than you would think or you would desire. Where are you today on this grid? If you were to put yourself on here, where would you be Are you someone who actually believes that God can and is using you in this world to create meaningful action, to create meaningful change in your environment, wherever you go? Are you someone who's marked by being vulnerable, someone who's exposed, someone who's not afraid of that? Where are you at in this grid? This is where flourishing happens. This is where we bear image. This past week, I was at Pine Cove family camp. Um, I went there. uh, Jen and Dylan were with me because it would be weird if I went there by myself. And uh, it's an awesome camp. I mean, there's kids' dream. There's zip lines. There's boats. There's awesome college students who are there as counselors. It's so fun. There's skeet shooting paintball. It's more dangerous than any parent would ever want it to be. one of the things that happened as uh, we were there, first night we got there, and um, the, the camp director got us together and, and we're, you know, telling us everything that was going on in the week, and then dismissed us and asked the dads to stay back. And he said, uh, he said to the dads, he said, um, this week I, I want to challenge you to do something a little bit different. Uh, we have prepared devotionals, and we want the dads to lead devotionals for their families this week. And, you know, half the dads in that room are going, and this is why I don't go to a Christian family camp, right? <laughs> Not me. Dodging it, right? Not me. And, um, uh, you know, some dads were honest. We were just wide-eyed. And, and one dad said, I'm out. I'm out. I, don't, I, don't, I don't do that. Our family doesn't do that. And so the, we all dismissed, and the director stayed back with uh, him. And they stay, stayed and talked and that type of thing and encouraged him, It's all right. It's okay, be vulnerable, you don't have to. Because, you know, it's a fear that most dads have that their third grade, your child is going to stump them, right? (laughs) And just being vulnerable is really hard, that we might believe that God has given us authority in a lot of places in our life, but this is not one of them. And uh, so the week goes on, at the very end of the week, um, the... uh, you know, we were kind of debriefing the week, and, and uh, father went up to the camp director in tears and said, we were talking as a family about our week, and uh, asked our kid, uh, what was their favorite part of this week? And the child said, it was hearing you pray. That, that for me was the greatest part of my week. It beat out the zip lines and, you know, the fun skits, just hearing what it sounds like when my dad prays. You know, for us, um, for us to live with authority and vulnerability means in all aspects of our life that we bear God's image wherever we go. Wherever we go in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, for us to be people of authority and vulnerability that believe in that God uses people like me when I am exposed and when I'm weak and when I'm vulnerable, that God shows up. The only way that we become people like this, though, the only way is, remember, it's our identity is tied to Jesus, is when we get to see Jesus, a clear picture of Jesus, who was full of authority and vulnerability. We, and we, as followers of Jesus, we say... I think we see how God was full of authority, but the shocker for the world was how vulnerable Jesus was. The the shocker wasn't the fact that the God who created all the world wants to be involved in this world, but it was through this, I think this is what people expected of God, to change the world, but not be vulnerable, not, not be woundable, but the power of Jesus's I am going to transform this world, and it is actually through my wounds. My vulnerability is what is going to change this world. See, Jesus is, he's the victor, and he's the victim. The only way we become more of image bearers is by seeing that picture of Jesus. B.B. Warfield, he did an essay He did a study throughout all the Gospels and gathered the different characteristics, the different different descriptions of Jesus. Do you know that the most frequently used description of Jesus in all the Gospels? It was compassion. Time and time and time again, God showed that he was compassionate. Jesus, full of compassion. The word compassion literally means to suffer with. If you want a picture of Jesus, think of compassion. Verse 10 said it. It was fitting that God, for whom and through everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect, complete, whole, through what he suffered Friends, my belief is that God wants to move us into greater authority and greater vulnerability. If you're on this side over here, if you're hiding out over here, if you would put yourself, I just would encourage you take a risk. If you need to to move towards vulnerability take a risk. Let yourself be known. Vulnerability happens in relationships. Parents, let yourself be known to your kids. Spouses, let yourself be known. In your neighborhoods, let yourself be known. If you're over here, take risks. Let yourself be known. And if, you're, if you think you're down here on authority, the way I think God might move you to greater authority is that maybe by chance, God might have a calling on you. God is going to give you a dream for something that he wants to do in your life, no matter how small or big it is, that a change that God might want to do in your life. What is God calling you to? Friends, open yourself up to the work of the gospel and follow Christ, the pioneer of our salvation. You might actually get to know the living God. You might actually discover who God has created you to be as well. That's what this table is all about. This table right here is a table that has been set so that you might experience God's authority in your life. But it's, it was set through suffering, set through heartache, that Christ, he set the table through his wounds. Why? So that the same Jesus who said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Now take and eat, remember me, and go. Go into this world. This isn't a Presbyterian table, this is Jesus' table for anyone who knows him. All are welcome here. And as this morning, as we partake of the bread and the juice, I would just encourage you to, to take it in the thought that perhaps God might be moving you into greater authority and greater vulnerability. The Lord be with you.